Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast, where we do interviews with inspiring people like our new friend Joyce here to help all of you find the resources, tools, and support you need to be your best inspired self. Hi, Joyce. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Jackie. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. My typical response to that is I am too blessed to be stressed. I think we all are. I think we all are. I love that. That's that's beautiful. I um sounds like so- my grandma would have never said that though. I was gonna say it sounds like something my grandma said. It doesn't. My grandma would have had an f bomb in there somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say those too. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm effing fine. All right, grandma. All right. All right. Uh, but I'm like so excited that you took the time to be on our podcast today because you are you've written exactly ten books. Um, <laughs> With, I'm sure, more to come. And um, the first one is just, you, as you had said in our pre-interview, um, timely. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then I'd love to hear about your latest book. Okay. Um, I'm the oldest of seven. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. And the first book that I wrote was about the way that we were raised. We were a very, very happy family, still are. Uh, As I said, I'm oldest of seven, and my mother and father raised us in such a way there was no sibling rivalry in our family, none whatsoever. And when I tell people that, they just can't believe it, that seven, I had six siblings, still, I have uh, five now. Uh, One of my brother, my oldest brother died of uh, fourth stage lung cancer in 2013. So, uh, and we were really close. He was my hero. But, um, so I wrote the, my first book in 1997. It was all about the way that we were raised. And so that really does capture what your question asks. So, um, when we all get together, we just adore each other. And I wanted to capture the way that our parents raised us. Uh, as a matter of fact, once I had written the book, it was several years later when my um, sister said, Mama and Daddy would be proud of this book. And I had never even given that a consideration. I just wanted to empty out all of my memories that I thought were really important, you know. And it's uh, only 167 pages. It includes 22 pages of recipes. Food is a huge part of our family and 22 pages of pictures of our ancestors, our uncles, our parents, and everything. So uh, later on down the line, somebody may give birth to a child that looks just like Aunt Lou or Uncle Oscar, you know, so they have uh, that resource that they can look at that book and they can see. I wrote it for the kids in the family, um, and at some point they may be interested in it, but you know, when you're young, you're not really interested in all of it. It's just a shame the way that we are as humans because we don't value the stuff that we should value until later in life, you know, and sometimes it's too late to value it. But at any rate, that book is there for them, the recipes, the pictures and everything. And the first about 20 pages or so my husband wrote because he, we have been together since we were 13 years old. We're both 76 years old now. And, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Um, and my brother that, that passed away was his best friend. That's a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, that's how I met him. 
he left his tie and, and socks on the playground uh, at Easter time. And then uh, my brother found them and took them back home to, uh, uh, to keep them safe. And he, you know, ended up calling and, and finding uh, my brother and had found him. And that's how I met him. And so um, he adored my parents. My husband adored my parents. And like I said, my brother that passed was his best friend. So uh, the first, when I had finished the manuscript, I didn't know what to call it. And um, he said, all of y'all have that line of serenity running through you. So I was really intrigued by that statement. I didn't know what the hell he was talking about, have that line of serenity running through you. And so the first about 20 pages of the book, he describes what he sees as this line of serenity in each one of us, starting with my parents. And he goes all the way through the line, you know, so that's the name of the book, Line of Serenity. And uh, it's, it's really, I've read it many times. I just really love reading it because it's my memories too. That is beautiful. I love that line of serenity. Uh, I have said the serenity prayer more than a billion times in my life. Um, so I think there's a difference though into like looking for it and then being it, right? Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like you guys um, are, that's who you are. Just no rivalry, right? Lots of love, love yeah, on each other. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And how wonderful to know your husband so long and to be together. My husband and I have been together 20 years mm -hmm. and of my age group, we're kind of an anomaly. Mm -hmm. um, and I can imagine you guys been together longer than most people would even realize, right? That's a long yeah. time. Well, we've to be been together summer. for 62 years and we've been married for 52 years. Oh, that's beautiful. I love yeah. it. 13 to 76. You still like him? Yes. Yeah, good, good. Yes. I tell my husband most days. Most days I still like him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other days I love him. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I uh, I'm so glad you started with the first book, but I know that based on the where the world is like right now, there's a lot going on that um, can put people in maybe not such a shiny, happy place. But I think your newest book speaks a little bit about, you know, a positive place. So could you tell us uh, a bit about that? Uh, the last book that I wrote is entitled The Limitless Golden Rule, 21 Ways to Use the Golden Rule in Your Life. And I think that um, I wrote it in 2015. So I think that it's... Uh, really appropriate every day using the golden rule would really help this world and it's it's really bad nowadays you know with this coronavirus going around so if we so were for really some people it, who may not be of christian background what is the golden rule miss joyce it's really funny that you asked me that question because i had written the book and my granddaughter who is 37 um, asked me what was the golden rule. Now, I raised her to live it, but I never vocalized what the golden rule stated. And so I had finished the manuscript when she asked me what the golden rule is. And uh, so I went back and I had to change the manuscript. I just added the what the golden rule is, you know, so. Like a forward kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> the first page is the title page. And then the second page is the uh, trade, the uh, copyright page and the ISBN and all that. But the yeah. third page is the golden rule. I don't know if you'll read it. Uh, so that's Oh, that's we can see. Rule. Do unto okay. others. Yeah. Yeah. As you would have done unto you. Okay. The golden rule states, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so I put that page in there and then I explained that to her. I said, you lived it. I, I taught you to live it, but I didn't express the, what the golden rule actually stated. And so that is how that came to be. Yeah, I, I was raised that way as well. My, um, my mother, my grandmother, uh, my father, whomever. Uh, but I was raised a lot by my grandmother and, mm -hmm. um, she was a tough lady. She worked in a factory, a laundromat. She raised, I want to say nine kids on her mm -hmm. own and she passed last year, uh, but. Oh, sorry to hear that, but she, you got some good memories. Oh, Tell me about that one. Yeah. I, my grandmother is the best. She just never pulled punches with anyone. And I have to say, I actually appreciated that she didn't sugarcoat things in life yes. and the way the world was. She, yes. she, she had great practical advice. Don't burn your hand. <laughs> like, don't put your hand in the fire. It'll burn you. Like, she's a very, very practical lady. Um, but she was a, very, a huge stickler for um, ensuring that you were respectful. Mm -hmm. And you treated people with respect, especially your elders. And mm -hmm. then you end the golden rule that you did unto others as you would have done unto you. And, um, and it always stuck with me. And so like you had mentioned with the coronavirus, my husband's trying not to be frustrated because he's a sweet, wonderful man. But he's like, people are so afraid right now and they're so scared uh -huh. that they can't see outside of their own microcosm, right? They can't yes. see out. But the problem is, is that's why people hoard, right? That's why people go buy all the toilet paper. Mm -hmm. Like I told you before, we got four rolls up and we got six people living in my house. So, <laughs> but if you were thinking, you know, one moment ahead of right this moment, right? You would have thought, well, if we all have what we need, if we all have enough and we all make sure others have enough, the golden rule would have stopped a lot of the behaviors that, have people acting up a little bit in the crisis moment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so my grandma would have swapped somebody right upside the head if she saw some of this i swear she'd have been in the store see somebody with a whole thing of toilet paper she'd have swatted them right upside the back of the head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't think we can do that nowadays but yeah i was just thinking about that so yeah. grandma would have though she'd been like boy what are you doing mm -hmm. uh, but so tell us of all of so 21 ways you said right in the book yes do you have um, like one of your favorites or one of the real creative ways that you um, turn that rule into something in your book? Well, it, it's 21 ways. Um, <laughs> I talk about at home, uh, at work. Number three is at school, which school is no more for now. <clears throat> Just for a bit. They'll be back. Uh, number four is with your relatives. Number five, with your neighbors. Number six is at church. Seven is at the mall. Eight is at the grocery store. Nine is at the movie theater. 10 at the library. 11 at restaurants. 12 at the gym. 
13 at the hair salon, 14 at the doctor's office, 15 at the park, 16 on an airplane, 17 on the road, 18, no, I'm talking about the media now with number 18, 19, 20, and 21. Uh, 18 is television and movies, 19 is newspapers, 20 is magazines, 21 is music. So I find it interesting that uh, one of them was how to use the golden rule at church. Oh, at church? Okay. Yeah, Let me see here. Right, because I, I think um, like we were raised, I, I was raised Catholic. Um, we went to church on Sunday and I remember my grandmother would point things out in the night, like later she'd say, <laughs> um, this is not how we behave at church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because you think, you would assume, you'd be wrong, that everybody that goes to church acts in a, in a godly fashion. Oh, I know. Unfortunately, would be wrong. <laughs> unfortunately, that's not always the case, right? So I'm curious of, you know, what did you have to say about the golden rule at church? Okay, here's what I'm saying. At church, people go to church to worship. True, some of them go to socialize and fellowship. But for whatever reason, they are there. They should not be talked about or gossiped about because of their clothes, hair, shoes, jewelry, or whatever. There's a popular message making the rounds about the shabbily dressed man who was attending this church for the first time. Secretly, he was the new pastor. No one would talk with him, and they all went out of their way not to even be near him. When the retiring pastor asked if there were any new visitors to the church, the, quote, stranger, unquote, stood up and announced that he was the new pastor and proceeded to shame the entire congregation by telling them how badly they had treated him. They all could have used the golden rule. And that's that chapter. Yeah, that's perfect. I had um, had an interesting experience at my prior church um i was i was there alone because i have four little kids for whatever reason i was it was just me my husband was with the kids and there's an older man that came in church that he just wasn't somebody i'd seen before um and he looked like he was a working working man and so he was kind of looking around and i was like come on in right because there's room in the pew and he looked like he was by himself too and he came in and we did the sign of peace and all the stuff that you do in the mass. And then afterward, I might cry. I cry and stuff. But he said, um, thank you. And I was like, well, you're, you're welcome. Like, but this is just how I didn't actually get it. And I was like, I'm, I'm curious. Thank, thank me for what? And he said, I'm a truck driver. And so I drive all around the U.S., and I go to a different church wherever I'm at because that's what I can do. That's all I can do. And he said, you're the first person that's ever spoke to me. And I was like, like, I'm so upset. Wow. I thought, oh my gosh. And I was like, well, why do you think that? And he said, well, look at me. And I was like, he said, I'm in my work clothes. This is all I have. I don't have a lot. And they don't know me. So I'm not part of their church. And I'm a man and I'm older. And I was like, oh, that sounds terrible and lonely. And he's like, well, sure is. He's like, but you, you've, re- you've renewed my faith and in, in my faith. Wow. And I thought, how sad. 
so when we say do unto others, I, I that moment, it was about, it was like 14 years ago, because my oldest is 14. Um, I try really hard to show up, even if I do anyway, but I'm very aware of the fact that um, there, there's no reason to treat folks any kind yes. of way and not yes. just ignore them either. That's just as bad. Like there's nothing, no reason not to say hello, right? And that, you know what, what's going on in this world today as far as the coronavirus is concerned, the way that this is being handled is just absolutely shameful. The, the healthcare workers are, don't have the protective equipment. I, I mean, I, I'm speechless with this. So but they're making know, their own mask and oh yeah. my God, it's just awful. I just recently, some super good, timely conversation. Um, I just saw a couple really cool positive news articles about um, protective masks. There's a couple um, nail salons, right? Since they can't, shouldn't be doing nail mm -hmm. care right now, mm -hmm. but they wear masks because of the- the Yeah, the they, fumes. Right, they actually packaged up their, all of their extra supplies. Cause they're like, there'll be more when people come back. Yeah. And took, took them to the local hospital. And um, the nurses were in tears as they were like, they just needed them so badly. But oh, I thought wow. that's the kind, like if we can keep spreading that and sharing those stories and showing others the lead by example. And they were, a, it, it's time, but they're a Vietnamese group that did this the first time. Mm -hmm. And I know people are like, well, we don't want this or we don't want people who are not from our country, but they're the first ones that stepped up to be yes. American, right? They stepped up and said, you're sick and I want you to stay well. And then um, another outsider of you, know, you see in the economy a um, bunch of tattoo artists said well we use masks so we don't so uh, they went around and talked to all of each other and they all donated their masks because they're not doing tattooing right now mm -hmm. and they're in their gloves right they have gloves they have masks mm -hmm. all the they've all been donating their equipment oh that's local. good so there's, i like to hear that kind of stuff yeah so there's people who are stepping up and live in the golden rule the way that their grandparents will be proud yeah that's good that's encouraging so there are yeah. still people out there who uh will restore your faith in humanity <laughs> yeah my husband my husband and i had this wonderful conversation um today was this morning was about you know you never know you, no one knows how they're going to behave in a crisis you know how you hope you behave Right. Mm -hmm. You hope you'll be calm. You hope you'll um, think of others. You hope that you'll not hurt anyone and, and but also protect yourself. And I think it's important that we all remember that you, unless you're in the situation, you have no idea how you react. And so postponing judgment, mm -hmm. postponing um, preemptively judging other people for how they may or may not behave because the least of us were the ones that showed up for the most of us. Right? Yeah, yes. And um, that's the world. I want to live in a place where the nail salon and the tattoo guys bring masks, you know? Uh -huh. that's, the, that's the world I want to be in. So I love, I love the title of your book. I love the idea of um, different ways and different places we can show up and just be, live within our humanity. Yeah. I love the way you put that, live within our humanity. 
that is so well said, so simply put, you know, Thank but you. it's very profound. Live within our humanity. Well, you're so, right all the time. Write it down, girlfriend. Next book. You got it. <laughs> I can't write as fast as you. I've been working on the same book for like five years. <laughs> just over and over. What's and the over. problem? No, there isn't one. I just keep editing. I'm a, I'm Yeah, you know, it's never going to it's never going to be I, right though. I know. Because I, your I, whole mindset changes almost every day. <laughs> I know that so that's the big struggle. So one of them was um the first book I wrote by I wrote because my mom asked me to write it, which is sort of her story told through mine, right? Mm -hmm. So it's she had some really rough things happen to her when she was younger. And so I wrote that thing, and that was like the labor of love, right? Like you said, it was 380-some pages, and it's still sitting on the computer. It hasn't gone anywhere um, because it was too painful to edit, right? It was well, like, what, what was the, what's the name of it? It's called Mama Rock. Mama Rock. That's what they call my mom. Okay. Like the strong, would you, the strong would you be woman. interested in adding a subtitle? Sure. The way it was. So oh, that way it'll trap you into that space. Oh, that's a good idea that you don't. So you like, see, yeah, because now you go back yeah. into it and you're, you're redoing it all. You need I to just, stay, uh, yeah. stay with wherever it was and just add Mama one. Rock the way it was. I like that because the second book is the same thing. It's called um, Sometimes You Feel Like a Tomato and it's about... Uh, the idea of being um, a caregiver. I have a special needs child and my parents were ill. And so I felt like the club sandwich for the tomato that always sleeps out in the middle. Yeah. So, but the problem is like by the time I've written it, which I've written it three times, my one daughter is now in a new place, right? Every time I revisit it, she's grown up and she's exactly. And, she's, and so then I'm like, well, this isn't right anymore and leaving it on the shelf and you know, getting myself all wrapped up about something that doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. So you can yeah. use subtitles to kind of trap yourself in the space. That's a good idea. Thank you, Miss Joyce. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. <laughs> so it'll okay. it'll stop so much aggravation and frustration. It'll stop that. Yeah. That always a triple second, eight million guessing yourself and all. Uh huh. All that exactly. Stuff. Yeah. So that's, well, I'm that's, so the author of ten books. Thank you very much for giving me great <laughs> book writing advice. It's amazing. Um, so I I noticed there's you have all your books. So where can people find some of these other titles? Or do you, can you tell us the names of some of your other books and where they oh, can find definitely. them? Oh, most definitely. Yes, all the books are available at GoodShortBooks.com. There are eleven books there. I wrote ten. My sister wrote one. And all of them are inspirational. They're nonfiction, but for the most part, I think we have maybe two fictions, but uh, everything yeah. else is nonfiction. Uh, the first book is Line of Serenity. I've got them written down because I can't memorize them all. Right, you wrote uh, too many then, books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wrote that one in 1997. In 2003, I wrote Mother's Dozen, an easy recipe for raising great kids. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2008, I wrote The Best Way to Keep a Man is to Let Him Go, among other things. And let mm -hmm. him go doesn't mean quitting him or leaving him. It means being secure enough within yourself that you don't worry about where he is when he's not with you. 
Yeah. Then in 2009, I wrote The Vision, telling kids that they can make the world a better place. And it's kind of fiction, but it's based on um, a short walk through history. Uh, because kids need to be told that they're geniuses. They're little geniuses, because they really are. They are, uh, yeah. Then in 2009, I wrote a fairy tale. It was called Jet Black and Her Seven Friends. Now, I'm 76 years old. And there were no fairy tales about little black girls when I was growing up. So I wrote this one myself. I love it. That's um, beautiful. Yes. Be, be the change you want to see in the world, yeah, right? That's right. Yes. And this is multi-ethnic. Uh, Jet Black and her seven friends. One of her friends is her uh, fairy godmother is Asian. Uh, she's a little black girl. Her... She's got uh, one of her friends is Hispanic, Native American, uh, Caucasian, who is, is in a wheelchair, and let's see, Hispanic, Native American, Asian, white, and black. That's all of them. Nice. Everybody. So I love it. it's multi-ethnic. Um, then in 2011, I wrote Dear Bully, a collection of poems about bullying. Um, and that one has a lot of poems in it uh, against bullying. Okay. I'm trying to find um, a good one that I can read to you. Last, Dear Bully, all of them start with Dear Bully. Dear Bully, last night I thought about ending my life. I was giving you way too much power. Then I thought about all of the people I love. To them, I'm a beautiful flower. I'll continue my life for them. I'll continue my life for me. I've taken your power, dear bully. You have my sympathy. Oh, I got something in my eye here. Well, be careful. Yeah, I don't know how it can happen. You have to be able to... You have yeah. to be able to see to keep writing the book. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and then I have one that's um, it's about the, the cyberbullying. Mm. Uh, and that's a big thing nowadays, too. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to be doing this, Jackie. <laughs> Oh, no, okay. that's perfectly fine. Okay. Dear Bully, sending me stuff on your computer or texting it on your phone is no way to deal with anyone. It's better to leave them alone. Cyberbullying is just as bad as doing it face-to-face. -face. It's nothing to be proud of. It's really a total disgrace. Instead of sending mean stuff, start a cyber friendship chain. Include the kids you bullied, and then you all will gain a better way of living, more smiles in all your days, using your computers and your phones in smart and friendly ways. Oh, I love it. It's like Dr. Seuss for bullying. That's <laughs> nice. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, so the, the, the poems are written. Jackie, I wrote 25 poems in six hours. It's like oh, the universe. It just came, came through you. Oh, my God. It was just, it was absolutely, I, I, I was amazed myself. It's like 
I feel like a vessel. I totally feel like I'm being used by the universe. Well, if the universe is going to use you, that seems like a reasonable way for it to happen. Yeah, 25 poems in six hours. And, and it, this, the poems are written for children. Yeah, I love that one. It's really beautiful. So did, any books after the bullying one? I know the last oh, one, yeah. you, you were going down the line. <laughs> that was 2011. 2013, I wrote My Simple Quotes to Live By. And you really can live by these quotes. Um, I didn't know when I was 14 years old, graduating from middle school, and they asked us to um, leave some encouraging words behind for the students that would come behind us. And I wrote, um, never lose your hope and faith. And I have lived by that quote. And I didn't even know that it was a quote <laughs> that I was writing. So I coined my first quote at 15 years old, 14 or 15. And um, the way I know that I did that is one of my uh, former schoolmates, and we still are friends to this day. We graduated from, high, from uh, middle school at 14, 15. Now we're 70 something, almost 80. And uh, he sent me a copy of the school paper. And, oh. and it, it's in that school paper that we graduated from in 1957. And that's that school paper. And wow. uh, it, the, the quote is in there. It, all the quotes from all the students who said anything, they're in there. Joyce Jones said, never lose your hope and faith. Jones is my maiden name naturally, obviously. And so then in 2013, I coined another quote, and it was chosen out of over 5,000 entries to a uh, women's calendar contest. And that quote states, it's better to die chasing a dream never caught than to die never having chased the dream. And I post that one on social media regularly to encourage people to not allow their dreams to just die. You know, so, and a lot of people will squash your dreams, but it's your dream. It's not for anybody to squash. You just need to pursue it and chase it. I love it. You're yep. just My living your life full of, full of positivity and inspiration. That's lovely. Well, that's what I try to be. Uh, then in 2014, I wrote A Breast Cancer Journey to Greater Joy taking the fear and mystery out of a breast cancer diagnosis. It's a long title, but I wanted to capture the fact that this book takes the fear and mystery out of a breast cancer diagnosis. Uh, I want to read you one of the, that, there's four forwards in this book. I said, oh, wow. this is my book and I had, I've got four forwards in it and each one of my doctors, I sent it to the doctors that I had, my primary care physician, my breast cancer surgeon, my radiology uh, technician, or uh, the, um, she's a doctor, it's not a technician, uh, and my medical uh, doctor. So I sent it to them and they all were very enthusiastic about writing a forward for it. So my book has oh. four forwards in it. I love it. That's awesome. And this one, uh, Dr. Chen, she was my radiology, uh, radiation oncologist. I had the pleasure of caring for Joyce Fields during her radiation treatment in 2011. I recall her at that time being a woman with a uniquely positive attitude. 
my last, uh, now this isn't part of the, uh, the statement that she made, but I just want to let you know, my last radiation, I didn't have chemo. My last radiation treatment was on, you ready for this? 11, 11, 11 at 11 a.m. That's so weird. <laughs> I know. Isn't, isn't the 11s like a, yes. like a some yes. special yes. sign? Yes. <laughs> it is. So when they told me when uh, it was 11, 11, 11, and then I asked for 11 a.m. That's why I asked for that. So, But now she continues. Joyce writes an extremely straightforward and easy to read book with everything explained in lay terms. I believe that her personal recollection of the details of undergoing breast cancer treatment and the decision-making involved offers great support to other patients because they are able to essentially relive her experience through reading this book. Details regarding the emotions she went through, interactions with family members, scheduling appointments, reactions to big machines like radiation machines and PET slash CT scanners are vividly recounted. Treatment involves visits to so many different physicians and undergoing so many tests. Reading Joyce's book ahead of time would greatly prepare patients regarding what to expect. Early stage breast cancer is generally a highly curable disease. However, the word, quote, cancer, unquote, is extremely stressful, and Joyce takes the mystery out of treatment of early-stage breast cancer. I love the fact that she said that. Anyone anxious following a diagnosis of early-stage breast cancer, and who isn't, should read this book. It will greatly help them prepare for the road ahead. Finally, having a positive attitude like Joyce's is actually immensely helpful in meeting the challenges of breast cancer treatment, among other life's challenges. Helen Chin, MD, Radiation Oncology. That is amazing. Wow. So and that's the book lovely. Is to... only, uh, it's only 60 pages. Well, you just said what you needed to say. Yeah, exactly. And God blessed me and my sister with a talent for being succinct. We can say a that, lot in a few words. Uh, that makes one of us. I have too many words. <laughs> <laughs> I have too many words. All the words. And then my last book is The Limitless Golden Rule. That's the last I one I wrote. It. So are you, <clears throat> do you have any plans for writing your next book? I didn't have any plans for writing any of them. Ah, fair it's enough. like the spirit just moved me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So how about your sister? You said she she's written a single book. Does she have plans for writing anymore? I don't think so. Uh, her book is entitled My 15 Dogs, A 55-Year Journey of Love. She has Aww. had 15 dogs. She's Right now, she's got two. Uh, every, when she was born, she was brought home from the hospital as a newborn baby to a Doberman Pinscher puppy. So we had uh, the seven kids, the two parents, and a Doberman puppy. So that is how she developed her love for dogs. She was raised with that dog. Duke was his name. My dad had a a Doberman whose name was Hoss. And uh, he (laughs) was As in in, uh, the Bonanza? Yep, and he is a Doberman, (laughs) a big, huge Doberman. And he used to sit on the couch with his feet dangling over like he is a person. (laughs) 
so oh. straight look around the room like he was in charge. He was in charge for sure. Big <laughs> giant dog. He was he was an awesome guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. so where can people find your books, Miss Joyce? Goodshortbooks.com. And they range in price from $7.99 to $12.99. We are not, we don't try to price people out of the, the whatever. But right. uh, they, they're very reasonably priced and they are delightful. I have read all of them many, many times. Oh, well, thank you so very much for taking all this time this afternoon to meet with us and tell us about your lovely books. And I hopefully, if you write the next one, we want to be one of the first ones to know about it, okay? You sure will be, Jackie. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. I look forward to seeing you again soon, Joyce. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.